The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 4. This will be a special holiday week solo edition. So let me, as I always do, set the scene. And once again, I'm at The Place. Um, The Place is a cigar lounge in Downers Grove, Illinois, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove, Illinois. I am sitting here smoking a La Flor Dominicana El Jaco Perfecto Number 2 Natural Wrapper. It's a morning cigar, as this is a morning edition of the Cigars and Sports Chicago podcast. And if you like cigars and you like sports, I am telling you, you are in the right place. What are we going to talk about today on this solo edition? We've got some bears and bulls. I've got a couple of subtopics related to the bears. COVID and sports, clearly a huge topic right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what the path forward is. Please make sure that you are following us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. We're going to send you out some interesting content there. So please make sure that you're on there. You can get this show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start where we always do with the bizarre story of the week. And this week's bizarre story of the week is a little bit different than the past several weeks. It's going to be more conventional, more about Chicago sports. You probably remember three weeks ago, we talked about the guy who went up in flames during a drunken disorderly arrest as a result of dousing his body in hand sanitizer um, before he was tased. That qualifies as bizarre. You may remember the University of Texas football coach and his girlfriend being sued as a result of letting their pet monkey bite a child during a trick-or-treating incident. You certainly recall the important story that we covered last week about the beauty pageant disqualification of 40 contestants. Of course, that beauty pageant was in Saudi Arabia for camels, um, and they were disqualified for using Botox. But as I said, this week, much more straightforward. The bizarre story of the week is the Chicago Bears. So that's why you can decide whether um, it's bizarre or not. If I would have told you that Kirk Cousins would be 12 for 24 for 87 yards and statistically the worst game of his career, and that Justin Jefferson, the Minnesota Vikings all-pro wide receiver, would have four catches for 47 yards, you certainly would have thought that the Bears would have won, correct? Well, if you saw that embarrassing display on Monday Night Football, no, the Bears lost 17-9 to to the Minnesota Vikings. And by the way, the only reason that they scored nine was because with one second left, as the as time expired, Fields threw a touchdown pass to Jesper Horstead, which if you go back and look at the video, probably wasn't even a touchdown, and they ended up giving it to him. And frankly, Fields did not have a terrible game. I mean, I, I, you know, how his improvement level has been, it's certainly not been a straight line. I still believe in Justin Fields, but this game was an embarrassment. And so that's the bizarre story of the week. So now let's get into it with the Bears a little bit more. Let's just be honest. The Chicago Bears as a team 
as a franchise, as an organization, they are rotten to the core. Things are only getting worse. They've now lost eight of their last nine games. So the last win was on Thanksgiving against the lowly Detroit Lions, who amazingly were able to beat the Arizona Cardinals last week. So we have to give them credit for that. But two of their four wins have come across the Lions, only one in the last nine being against the Lions, which, no, that's not very good. Why did they lose this game on Monday night? Number one, ball security. Two fumbles by Fields, one he lost, you know, the other one he actually recovered. Uh, another fumble by Demir Bird, and another one by David Montgomery. All of those resulted in turnovers. This Demir Bird guy, you know, Allen Robinson's out. He had an opportunity, and he did not make the most of his opportunities. <laughs> then, of course, we have the complete lack of discipline. Three personal fouls. Um, including by the coach, Matt Nagy, who, if you notice, seemed to be pretty ranty and pretty out of his mind the entire night. Absolutely flipped out as it related to a pass interference call by Devin Bush. Got himself a 15-yard personal foul. Threw down his headset another time. He, the guy was out of his mind the whole night, so I don't know if that was performative or whether he actually felt that way. Clearly, he's feeling the heat. He was frustrated. He's terrible. And speaking of Matt Nagy, if I was just going to call out one play for his worst play call of the entire year, what about that fourth quarter, fourth and one near the goal line, where he calls an RPO and Fields actually runs to his right and loses three yards? You've got, you actually have a good running game. How about you just hand the ball off to somebody and get a yard or do something other than that play? How about you, you know, throw to Jimmy Graham in the corner of the end zone? I mean, that was just a disaster. The coaching of this team is just terrible. So a couple of positives, you know, so in the spirit of being fair and balanced, Bears defense played hard. The entire secondary was out due to COVID. Um, so we got to take a look at some guys that we haven't seen before. They may have actually discovered a corner in Thomas Graham Jr. Guy looked pretty good. Um, you may remember he was a prospect coming out of Oregon, had some off-the-field issues and had some injuries. How that guy's been on the practice squad the entire year, and we've never seen him, I have absolutely no idea. But good God, once again, the penalties, the play calling, the mistakes, the ball security, and clearly Negi must go. Certainly penalties and team discipline go back to the coach, and they have none of either. But as we talk about Negi going, there's a bigger issue that I wanted to bring up this week. And by the way, as you're finding during the solo edition of Cigars and Sports Chicago, this is what it's like to sit around in the cigar lounge and hear me rant about several topics for 20 minutes or whatever it's going to be. But as the Bears make this coaching change, who in the hell is going to even make the decision? Who's going to interview people? Are Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy a package deal? Is Ryan Pace going to hire the next coach? Is he going to interview for the next coach? Is he even going to be here a week from now or a day from now? If he's not, who's the top football guy in the organization? Is that, you know, is that McCaskey 
or is that um, Ted Phillips? I mean, they have no other football guys. Their number one guy is Ryan Pace. And by the way, I believe that you can actually make an argument that Ryan Pace has done some decent things in terms of player evaluation. Certainly, I think it's well documented that he's drafted decently, you know, on day three of the draft. I guess day one and day two don't count. But, you know, the guy's done some some decent things from a player evaluation standpoint. I'm trying to be kind. And there may be a place for him in the organization, certainly not as the top football guy with the coach um, reporting to him and having ultimate power related to the roster. There is no way that can happen. But who's even going to make these decisions? So what's the process going to be? Are they going to bring in somebody from the outside? Are they going to bring in a consultant? You know, are they going to hire a president of football operations? And who in the hell is that going to be? If I were them, my recommendation would be bring that guy in first. I'm not even sure that there's a benefit to getting rid of Negi right now anyway, until there is a new person who is heading up the football operation, then any other changes that you make really don't matter. Let that guy decide if he wants to retain Ryan Pace in some sort of player evaluation capacity. You know, as far as Negi goes, clearly he's gone, but there's no way to hire a coach right now with this organization being as screwed up as it is. So that's the Bears. Let's talk a little bit about COVID and sports. And not sure how you guys feel about this. But tonight, the Bulls will play the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors right now have seven guys on the COVID list. Um, As a result, the Bulls, who have won their last couple of games without Zach Levine, as well as another cast of characters, you know, are starting to make their way back. It'll be in much better shape after Christmas. Um, But the Raptors now down seven guys and already a bad team. The NHL is not even playing. They're going to take a week off until after Christmas to try try to stop the spread there. The Browns played last night Monday Night Football without either of their top two quarterbacks. The Chiefs will play without tight end Travis Kelsey or wide receiver Tyreek Hill this weekend. And interestingly enough, the NFL has actually now relaxed their COVID guidelines. So they are now only testing guys who are either unvaccinated, but vaccinated guys will only be tested if they're showing symptoms. So this is clearly just a way of keeping more guys who are asymptomatic on the field. And frankly, whether that's a good decision or a bad decision, they say that there has not been a lot of proof of spread during games. You know, I don't know if it's a good decision or a bad decision. It does appear that the current Omicron version of COVID is is pretty mild if you're, you know, if you're vaccinated. And, you know, I noticed the UK today just changed the uh, the quarantine period from 10 days to seven days. If you remember, it used to be 14 days. So the point that I'm at is who even knows if that's the right decision or not. And as far as I'm concerned, find a way to play these games. Even with all these guys out, I'm not sure what we really want the NFL to do. It's not exactly a better's paradise trying to bet on games where you've got all of the top people out. But You know, I give all of these leagues credit for trying to find their way. I think we've learned after two years of this pandemic that no one knows anything about COVID or 
not enough about it anyway. And maybe these sports leagues will end up being a model for the rest of society. You know, it's entirely possible. If it turns out that the NFL situation is not that bad, if it turns out that, you know, we don't start seeing massive spread and, and deaths, etc. Maybe this is the way to go. I'm not sure. They do seem to have logic for what they're doing. It does appear that no one in the NFL, despite you know the fact that they've now had over 200 positive tests, really has had any significant symptoms or that it's been longer term. So I think we're just going to have to play the game and see how this thing ends up working out. Let's spend a couple of minutes on the Bulls. Uh, you know, I mentioned they've won their last two games since they've been back in business after the eight-day COVID break because literally they did not have enough guys to put on the court. Um, they were signing guys off the street, and then those guys, before they even got to play, were going down with COVID. Um, but they've beaten uh, the Lakers and the lowly Houston Rockets in back-to-back -back games. Uh, you know, they scored 133 points against the Rockets the other night, which is not a bad performance. You know, they're going to have a really good opportunity against Toronto tonight. So they've hit the right stretch during this COVID period with, uh, you know, Zach Levine and others out. Certainly, DeMar DeRozan has stepped up, scored 38 points against the Lakers, had another great performance against the Rockets with 26 points and six assists. Lonzo Ball stepped up. He had a great game against the Lakers. Kobe White, the Rockets game, had 24 points. So, Clearly, it's giving guys an opportunity, and those those guys are stepping up, and I think that's really exciting. We've gotten to the point right now, as the season is a, is you know fast approaching, about a third over. You have to consider DeMar DeRozan an MVP candidate. I mean, I think clearly, if you look at the top three candidates being Durant, Curry, and Giannis. And you might have gone into the year thinking that those guys might be the top three candidates. And it's hard to argue. Giannis may be a little bit further behind because uh, the Bucks got off to a subpar start, but have played much better of late. But you take a look at Durant and the Nets without Kyrie Irving being number one in the East. Take a look at Curry and, uh, you know, what's gone on, you know, in the West and what's gone on with him as he's having a really excellent season um, and is now the league's all-time all three-point shot leader. And I think also you take a look at just the difference in results with the Warriors this year as compared to the last two years, certainly have got to consider Curry an MVP candidate. But DeMar DeRozan is right there. The guy is fourth in scoring. The guy's in the top five in efficiency rating. The guy is clearly doing everything that's needed to be done. It's certainly been well documented that he's the master of the mid-range. He's not really a three-point shooter. He's one of these traditional guys, a lot of mid-range jump shots, gets to the line really well. He's been the best performer in the NBA in the fourth quarter. He's actually got the best shot percentage and has scored the most points in the fourth quarter. So this guy deserves some credit. He certainly should be an, an all-star starter. And you know, Zach Levine, I think, has done a great job in terms of stepping back from being the number one guy every night. And Zach Levine still may be the number one guy on this team when it's all said and done. And those guys, I don't think anybody could have anticipated how well that they were going to work together. But DeMar DeRozan is without question a candidate for the NBA MVP. Keep an eye on him. Hopefully he'll stay healthy for the rest of the season. But if you take a look at the difference in performance with the Bulls last year and this year, DeMar DeRozan has been the difference. Certainly, you know, we've got Lonzo Ball turned over the whole roster, but the guy who's been the difference maker has been 
DDR, chant MVP when the guy's at the free throw line because he has been damn good. That is the first solo version of Cigars and Sports Chicago. I'm Steve Cass. Uh, we'll be back next week, maybe with Phil, maybe not, because I'm going to be on the uh, on the road, but we'll pull this thing off 52 weeks a year. We're going to keep it going one way or another, whether it's solo, whether we have guests, whether we have Phil, whatever we have, we're going to we're going to keep it going. Appreciate you joining. Please follow us at on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. Watch some Christmas football. We have several games coming up. By the way, this week has been fantastic with Saturday football, Sunday football, Monday football. A couple of games last night. We got a game tomorrow night, and we go into the weekend with more games as well. So nothing has been better. I want to thank my producer, Bear. That is Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 4, Holiday Abridged Edition. I'm Steve Cass. Thanks a lot. BYE. Talk to you next time. Sugar Magnolia, blossoms blooming. That's all empty and I don't care. So my baby down by the river. Wish she'd have to come up soon for air.